It's great to be here with y'all this morning. As I said earlier, Keith's not here with us. He'll be back next Sunday at 2 a.m. 2 a.m. Keith will be back. Now, with him coming back at 2 a.m., he'll be here to preach next Sunday for the two services. I've known him for 20 years. If you want to see him on Little Sleep preaching, be here next week. It's going to be great, I guarantee you. He's going to start a new series called Fish Tales. Hopefully this will kind of move into that next week, and it'll be great. Um, but before we get started, I want to ask if we could have a quick prayer before we get going this morning. Let's pray. Father, it is great to be here this morning. Thank you so very much for allowing us the opportunity to live this day, to get up, to get dressed and to come so that we can focus on you, so that we can grow with you, so that we can learn about you, and so that we can apply what we learn through the singing of your words this morning, through the looking at your scriptures, through all these things, through the friendships we have at this church. Father, may all these things, what I say at this time, everything we do, May all of it be done and be pleasing to you as we give you this time today. And may, may, may it make a difference in who we are as we leave this place. For we pray in your Son's holy name. Amen. I know it's been a while since, since I've spoken here. I appreciate Keith so much asking me to be here today. Um, in fact, I'm about 15 pounds heavier than I was last time I was here. Uh, my wife, Kelly, is pregnant. We are pregnant, as they say. It's going to be due in May. And, you know, the first child, you don't eat anything. You want to be real careful. The second child, you're kind of a little more loosey-goosey during the pregnancy. Third child, it's brownies every night, Coca-Cola three times a day. I mean, it's just, this kid's going to be just, woo, when he gets out, you know, because of how we've kind of cut loose and all that stuff. And so I'll be due about May 7th. So it's going to be really great. I'm really excited about that. And um, so it's pretty neat. You know, when Kelly and I, um, we had a church about seven or eight years ago. We started a church. And we haven't been in pastoral ministry for about three years where we've been in charge of a church or we've been leading a church and that sort of thing. One of the things we used to do in the church, about every February, I would do a message um, talking about and challenging folks to the New Year's resolutions they made in January. Do you remember the ones you made back in January? Do you? Well, believe it or not, the first week of February, most people didn't remember the resolutions they made in January either. In fact, they would laugh and we'd laugh about the fact that we didn't keep any of them. I mean, we didn't keep any of the resolutions that we had made and it was just one of those things. Well, you know, when Keith asked me to speak today, something that hit me that same day, in fact, that same day he asked me to come and speak on this date, I felt like it just, what to, what to say today just kind of just, just came to me. I thought, wow. So I sat down and started writing it out and everything. I had it on six different places in the house, what I was going to say. And what I felt God leading me to say for after Easter message. And if I could challenge you in any way, it would be to take it to the next level. And I would ask you this question. Here we are one week after Easter. Was your life any different this week after celebrating Easter? Was anything different about your life this last week? You know, after we put the eggs away, after we sent the bunnies back to the farm, after we've eaten all the M&Ms, you know, was there anything different this past week about your life? Did anything happen that made you go, wow, 
Or did anything confront you in which you lived out the Easter message in your life? See, that whole weekend last weekend, the Holy Week, the Easter Sunday, all the stuff we did, the reason we do that, the reason we celebrate it as a Christ body and Christ followers is because every day it's making a difference in our life. Every day we're living out the Easter Sunday message. Every day. And then as a church we get together and celebrate it one day to say, hey, that's, that's real to me every day of my life. But we get into a habit sometimes, I think, of making it just one big day. And then at the next week, everything's back to normal again. We're still facing things the way we're supposed to face them or the way we've always faced them. Life is the same as it's always been. It's always on the same level. And what I think Jesus did with the Easter, with, with His resurrection, His death, the whole nine yards, what I think He did, I think all that was so that we could then take our lives to the next level. Take our living to the next level. Let me illustrate this. My little girl Abby is three years old, which just turned four. Back last Christmas, she wanted a camera for Christmas, and she was stealing ours and going around taking pictures. And so I said, okay, I got her a camera. I bought her this Fisher-Price indestructible camera. I mean, you drop the thing, it doesn't break. You know, if you want to see a preacher say words he regrets, you try to, you try to get me around the computer. Because she took pictures with that, and you're supposed to download them onto the computer. And she got it in December, Christmas, and it took me till March, like last month, to be able to get all the pictures out of her camera. You know how many pictures were on that camera? 336 pictures. <laughs> and they just downloaded, downloaded, went and got lunch, came back, downloaded, downloaded, went back. And, but they all got there, and when I got them and I started looking at them, I couldn't believe what I saw. Give your kid a camera. You'll see some things you've never dreamt of seeing before. I want to show you a few of those pictures. There she is, the top left, taking a picture of herself. There she is, the bottom left, taking a picture of the counter. Look at the bottom right of the counter. Look at Rondi, who's like her grandmother, with her head cut off up there. Go to the next one for me. Look at the, look at the dining room of Rondi's house. Look at the dining room from another angle of Rondi's house. Look at Rondi trying to cook there in the bottom left. Look at her sitting on, look at her standing there trying to take a picture of the television, again with the head cut off. Go to the next one for me. There's Sarah crouching down so that she can get into the camera to get a picture. There's Abby trying to take her picture again with her head cut off. There she is at the bottom with a lovely foot angle. See the foot down there? Look at that. Look on the right. There she uh, left, I mean, taking a picture of her breakfast. That's the pancake she had one, one morning. Next one for me there. There I am with my head cut off. There Sarah is with her head cut off. There's mommy up on the top right. Now look at the bottom. Look right there where the black, um, that's, a shade, that's a hairspray can. Look at the left. There's Abby with her camera taking a picture. Look at her level of thinking, how she sees things. Look at the bottom. There she is finally taking a picture of herself. Is that all? I think it is. No, there's more. There's another foot angle. There's some ketchup on a paper plate. There she is. And there's Kelly with bagel having to again scrunch down so she can get in the picture. And there she is again. Now, why do I show you these pictures? Because poor little Abby, three years old, can't help it. She's taking pictures on her level, how she sees things. That's how she sees things. And you learn a lot about a child at three years of age with the way she takes pictures. That how, that's how she sees things, see? So it helped me when I'm parenting to get down on her level to understand, see? Well, here's what happens with Jesus. Jesus comes into life. He lives among us. He dies. He rises again. Also, we can then take our living from looking this way to then looking this way. He wants us to see things from His level. He wants us to live life at His level of living. So many times we get caught living down here. 
And he says, hey, look, I want you to live up here. I don't want you living down there. I want you living up here. So this morning, what I want to do, because when Jesus did all this stuff, the game is different, the rules are changed, everything is now Jesus-focused up here. I want to look at four areas with you this morning. Four areas that I want to challenge us on this Sunday after Easter to take our living to the next level, okay? I want you to walk through with, with, with me, write the word in the space there. And maybe this week you might want to read the passages, kind of ask yourself whether these areas are kind of broad areas, whether they are being taken to the next level in your living, okay? Let's look at them together. The first one is simply this. Write in the word family. Write in the word family. You know, if you want to take living to the next level, it begins with your family. I was looking in the Gospel of John here after the resurrection. I was blown away. Because in the Gospel of John after the resurrection, every single paragraph heading in my Bible says, Jesus appeared to Mary. Jesus appeared to disciples. Jesus appeared here. Jesus appeared there. And there's this huge family reunions are going on all over the place after Jesus rose from the dead. And I thought to myself, you know, if I were Jesus, and I died and I rose again from the dead... Who would be the first person I'd go see? Now, I'm a human, okay? I don't know about you. I'd be going to check out Pilate. I'd be calling him on the cell phone and say, Pilate, let's you and I get together and have lunch. I want to show you something. You know what I'm saying? Think about it. Caiaphas. Caiaphas. I'd call him up and say, hey, let's you and I get together. I'd like to talk to you and show you what's going on with God. No, he goes to his family first. He hangs out with all his family. He appears to him. Now, it would have been a lot easier if he'd gotten his iPhone and called them all or emailed them and said, hey, let's meet here. I want to, I want to, I want to. But that's not, that was back then. This is now. We would do that now. But Jesus, back then, he went to them and appeared to them. To me, you know what that tells me? That tells me how so important our relationships are. You know, we get so caught up in life. We get so caught up with deadlines at work with hobbies we like to have, with cars we want to buy, with things we want to do, that we forget so many times the most important thing that Jesus came to communicate is relationships and family. Relationships. He got with the disciples one day and he said, Hey, look. He said, You love one another just as you have loved me. See, putting relationships up there with Jesus. And he said, You won't have a problem showing other people about me. Because they'll see it in how you act. Relationships and family. It's so important. Now that seems so simple. But let me ask you a question. How is, how, where are family and relationships in your priorities? You know, for me, I have to challenge myself. Sometimes I get busy, sometimes I get things, and things get in the way, and my child comes up and wants to do something, and I say, not now, Dar, I'm doing this. Or not now, Dar, I'm doing that. And then it gets me, I go, no. What I'm doing is not as important as my child. She's never going to be three again. She's never going to be five again. She's never going to be 15 again. She's never going to be 17 again. She's never going to be 35 again. Parenting never ends, I find out. You know, <laughs> I don't have a kid that age, but you know what I'm saying. And so it's important that they're the most important thing. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Disney. I was down in Orlando visiting for some friends. I went down there, and, and um, my little girl, I took her to Disney World. And for one day, we had a free pass, so we had to use it or lose it, so we did it. And we go down there, and um, we stay at, um, at some friend's house. We were remembering this story. Back about five years ago, Kelly had back problems from playing soccer, from, from um, birthing Sarah. I mean, just it was, it was, she blew out a disc, and it was affecting her leg. So she had to have major disc surgery. So I called up Rhonda on the phone, the family, and I said, Hey, Rhonda, I said, 
I said, look, I said, this is the deal. I need you to come, please. And she said, Jeff, I can't come. I said, I need you to come for Sarah. I need you to come to help me with Sarah, help me with Kelly. I'm pastoring this church. I need some help. She said, I wish I could. I can't come. I've got to take this Miller analogy test. She was trying to get into seminary. I said, I said, Rhonda, I said, I've taken that test. That is a booger of a test. Can I say that? I'm sorry. That is just a terrible <laughs> test, you know? And I said, I said, man, I said, I, I, I know that, but God will be faithful. You know, she, I can't do it, Jeff. I'm sorry. I, I said, okay. So I said, no problem. We'll, we'll handle it. Just do that. No problem. Hung up. Next day, about, well, two or three days later, I get this phone call. And Rhonda says to me, I'm coming. And I said, what? I said, I'm coming. I said, great. I'm buying your airline ticket. You'll have it tonight. You can fly out tomorrow. She said, no, I've already paid for the airline ticket. I've done everything. I'm coming. I said, what happened, Rhonda? You know what she told me? She said, I went into my professor's office that day we talked. And we talked about my grades and all sorts of stuff. And she, he saw something was on my mind. He said, tell me what's going on, Rhonda. And I told him what was going on. And before I could even get the full story out, he interrupted me and said, Rhonda, you get out of that seat right now. You go get that airline ticket and you call them and tell them you're coming there. And she said, I know. I, she, he said, I know it's bothering you. You need to go do it. And he said, if you don't ever learn anything else in seminary, learn Jesus' message. Relationships are more important than anything. Relationships. Family relationships. Other relationships. Things that have meaning to you that you know God's brought into your life for one reason or the other. They're more important than anything. So she said, I'm sorry. I should have said yes the first time. I'm coming. Oh, did I fail to mention to you? Rhonda's last name isn't Heath like my last name. It's Howard. But she's more family to me than anyone would be because she was there when I needed her. That's what Jesus is talking about when he says relationships. You love one another as you love me. And everyone will know you're Christ followers by how you love one another. That's a powerful, powerful thing. How's your family? How, 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 how's the priority there? Look at the second thing with me. Write down the word faith. Okay, now, I don't, faith is such, is such a hard thing sometimes. Faith and trust kind of go hand in hand. So many times in life, we get hurt by other people in the area of trust. People have broken our trust. People have broken the faith we have in them. And as a result, it hurts the trust and the faith level that God wants us to have in Him, see? Because we've been hurt this way. And when we're hurt this way a lot of times, it hurts the receptors we have toward God. Because we think God's going to do to us just what people have done to us in our life at different areas of our life or different times in our life. Yet the resurrection and the Easter morning message to us, when we take living to the next level, Jesus says to us, you can trust me. You can have faith in me. Interesting story. Old, um, old Doubting Thomas. Everyone knows about that guy. In fact, he's kind of infamous as the disciples for doubting Jesus when Jesus has been everywhere except to him. And everybody's telling him, hey, Jesus rose. I've seen him. What does Thomas say to him? He says to him, hey, I'm not going to believe in Jesus unless I get to touch his side. Put my hands in his hands to know that he really did rise from the dead. I, I'm not going to believe what you say. So they're all getting on about it. Come on, you've got to trust him. About a week later, all the disciples are together again. He's probably talking about the same thing. 
Sure enough, can you picture this with me? They're telling him, he rose, he rose. He's going, he didn't rise, you kidding me? He rose, I'm not going to believe it. And about that time, Jesus comes in behind him. Can you picture this with me? And he's going, unless I put my hand in his side again, like I told you, put my, put his, I'm not going to believe in him. And all of a sudden you hear people, <gasps> Jesus reaches up there, grabs Thomas and saying, okay, Thomas, I want you to put your hand in my side. I want you to put your hand in my hands. I rose. Can you imagine the change in Thomas when he believed that? He saw that? The game had changed. The rules were different. I bet that impacted the rest of his life after that. And everything he, everything he encountered, everything he went through, I bet you he was a totally different person after that. I think Jesus expects us to be different people too by taking living to the next level. Because as Christ followers, we have touched the side and we've touched the hands when the world really hasn't. But we have. It's just, it's a cool thing. I listed there, um, with faith, let me, let me say this first. For me personally, and all I can speak at is personally here, faith is always a two-step process for me. There's God reaching down to grab me like He did, and I became a Christ follower. But until I'm willing to then reach up and grab His hand up above where He's grabbed mine, faith doesn't really go anywhere. Because you see, God grabs me and He says, I've got you. You'll spend eternity with me. But what God asks us to do then is the next step of reaching up and grabbing His hand so that we're saying to God, God, I want your plan, not mine. I want your life, not mine. I want to walk as you want to walk and not the way I want to walk. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to live by faith and not by sight. I want to trust you in everything. And that's when we really start to take off with God. You see? That's the way I view it. And whenever I'm not really walking with God, I ask myself, have I let go of God? He's never let go of me, but have I let go of Him? I listed there Mark, chapter 11, 22nd through 24th verse. Here's Jesus with the disciples. Here's what He says to them. Have faith in God. That's how He starts it. Have faith in God. If you tell this mountain to move and you pray, the mountain's going to lift up and move into the heart of the sea. If you believe. Whatever you pray for, you believe and you'll receive. Now, it's not like what happened this week with that family with a child dying. Did you read about that? Because they didn't have enough faith. They prayed and they didn't want to help the medicine. They didn't want to take medicine. Instead, they prayed and the child died. And now they're up on criminal charges because it turned out the child was just diabetic is all he was. They took this scripture out of context. The way I've always understood this scripture is to mean that if you are grabbing God's hand and you're living His plan... And you're in constant contact with Him. It doesn't matter what mountain. Ain't no mountain high enough. God is going to move that mountain into the heart of the sea. And when He does that, you are then going to know that He moved the mountain as you live through something. You see what I'm saying? Through the hard times, through the good times, you will have known you held on to God. And when you get on the other side of Him and you look back, you go, man, you helped me through that. It, that's your prayer life. Taking that mountain, lifting it up and moving it to the heart of the sea. It's a powerful thing. Did you see this? I don't know if you saw this or not. Let me show it to you briefly. On Fox News, there's a man who put his entire life up for auction. Did you hear about this? He's in Australia. His wife left him. He decided, I'm going to put my whole life on auction. His work, his friends, his cars, his houses. He hopes to get around 400 grand for the whole thing in June 2nd. So if you all want to bid on it, go ahead. But his wife broke up and had a trauma in his life, and so he decided to give everything up, and when he sells it all, he's just going to get in a plane and just fly somewhere and start over again. I thought, how sad. Some people go, man, how ingenious. I'm going, how sad. 
What's going to happen when the money runs out? And he has to face the problems with his wife. What's going to happen when life gets bad again? Is he just going to sell everything again and go so See, as Christ followers, we take our life to the next level. And we move mountains with our prayer life because we're holding on to God. And he says, I'll carry you through it. I'll take you through it. No matter how bumpy it is, you hang on to me. I'll live my plan out in you. Other people will see me. You'll grow. And my kingdom is benefited by all the good and the bad and ugly of this world that can throw at it. See, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. Look at the third thing with me. Write down the word forgiveness. It's one of my favorite stories in the end of the Bible. The end of Jesus' story, which sometimes I think is the end of the Bible. Here, here they are, Peter, James, and John. They're fishing, okay, trying to get away from what's going on. And they've been fishing all night. And, and, there's, and Jesus has appeared to them already, I think, two times or three times. So they know what's going on. And they're in this boat. They haven't caught anything all night long. And they're sitting here doing what the only thing they know how to do is fish. They go back fishing. And they haven't caught anything. But that next morning, early morning, Jesus walks out to the beach and he sees them out there fishing. And he, have y'all caught anything? And they go, no. And they don't even know it's him. No, we ain't caught anything. Who wants to know? <laughs> you know? And you know what Jesus does? Jesus um, says, why don't you throw that net on the other side of the boat? And as an impulse, they just do it. Peter's going, wait a minute, this is deja vu. I don't know, they know deja vu back then? Anyway, Peter says, this is deja vu. He says, I think we played this story out before. And while, Peter, while James and John are hauling in 153 different kinds of fish into the boat, Peter looks on the shore and realizes it's Jesus. Doesn't even wait for the boat to turn around. He jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. He's so excited. Or is he so excited? You see what happened with Peter, if you remember, before the death happened to Jesus. Peter stood up and said, I won't ever give you up, Jesus. I'm going to hold on to you forever. And Jesus said, no, you won't, Peter. Before I die, you're going to deny you even know me three times. And Peter did that three times. So Peter's feeling pretty bummed. He gets on shore. Jesus is there cooking fish for him. Resurrected Jesus. Again, could be meet with Pilate, telling him what for, but he didn't. He's over there meeting with Peter and the people he loved, cooking fish. And then there's this meeting with Peter and John. And John um, Peter and Jesus, that's just the best act of forgiveness I've ever read. Jesus calls over to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Jesus, you know I love you. Tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? At this time, Peter's a little worried because he knows he denied Jesus. And, and yet he's wondering maybe Jesus is thinking he's not all on board and everything. And Peter says, you know, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. In other words, do great things in me. I've given you all you need. Do them. And Jesus forgives Peter right there. Helping him to see. You know what I've learned about forgiveness? Everybody asks for it kind of differently so important for us to be able to ask for it and be able to give it. But every, I've learned with my children, they're different. Sarah and Abby, Sarah will do something, my oldest, six years old, she'll do something, cut your heart out, and not even think a second of it. I mean, you know. And, and then later on that evening, it's time to go to bed or whatever, and she'll come over and crawl in my lap, and she's not feeling good about what's happened. It's so hard for her to ask forgiveness. 
If parents, you know what I'm talking about, or anyone where a child's been special to you, you know what I'm talking about. And it's hard for her to ask for Abby's just, she'll cuddle, and then, you know, she's asking forgiveness, and she'll kind of be upset, and she'll hug you, and she'll kind of then just say she's sorry. Abby, she does something to hurt your feelings. You show one inkling that you're hurt. Oh, I'm so sorry, Daddy. I'm sorry. Forgive me, Daddy. Forgive me. I'm so sorry. She's just the opposite. She's got no problem. And I thought, boy, isn't that just like adults? We have such a hard time giving forgiveness, have such a hard time getting forgiveness or receiving it. We go, man, that person hurt me. Dad, I'm not going to forgive them. It's my hurt. I'm going to hold on to it. No, I'm not going to, I'm not going to talk to that person. Why would I talk to that person? That person hurt me. Hurt me real bad. <laughs> Isn't it funny how we are? But... Um, <laughs> But let me tell you a scripture I found that kind of blows it out of the water. Look at it with me. It's in Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people. Now, we're chosen. Holy and dearly loved. Are we holy? Are we dearly loved by God? Yes, we are. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now, he sticks all those words in there, and then this is what he focuses on. Bear with each other and let whatever grudges you may have against one another stay there forever. Did you read that with me? No, it's not. I'm sorry, I messed it up. It says, and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive how? As the Lord forgave you. No matter, it says whatever, no matter what it is, be strong enough to forgive the person. Now, if there's some serious things there, some serious grudges, some serious grievances there, you may not want to hang around that person anymore after you forgive them. I'm not, I'm not saying you're supposed to have, you know, tea with them every day and crumpets and... That sort of thing. Um, well, that's England, isn't it? I'm sorry. Um, you know, Egg McMuffins and, and coffee. I'm not saying you're supposed to do that every day with them. But he says, hey, you've got to be willing to forgive them so that you can go on and live life to the next level. Husbands, wives, children, no matter what. Boy, it sure does help everyone stay on the level playing field when that happens. Look at the next, last thing with me. We talked about family, we talked about faith, we talked about forgiveness. The last one I want to mention to you is the future. The future. After the resurrection occurs, all these family reunions get together, and Jesus meets with everybody. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, when you think about it, they're all getting used to Him being there. Everyone's all happy. Jesus, you're here. This is fantastic. And Jesus lays the last bombshell on them. I'm going to leave you. What? That's right. And when you have two little girls like I do, the thing that makes me remind me of this resurrection is Mary Poppins. Here Mary Poppins is, comes into this family, has got their priorities all wrong, and in 90 minutes, straightens the whole family out, helps everybody, and then right at the very end, when everything's fixed, she goes, and how does she leave? Just like she came, straight up into the sky with an umbrella. Now, I'm not trivializing what Jesus did. I'm just trying to help you see that there are a lot of Jesus figures that we can relate to the resurrection that help it bring meaning to us. Like this, when you're a dad of two small kids, Disney is pretty much it. <laughs> Good, bad, or ugly. But Jesus did something so much more serious. He gets them together and he says, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to go be with my father. That's my job. Your job, he says, is to take everything I've done with you and for you and go make other folks like you. Help them. Teach them. Baptize them. Do all these things. And as you're doing that, you'll know I'm with you always, that I will have never left you. 
And then all of a sudden, he heads up to heaven to be with his father. And that statement alone has propelled the church to this point today, where we are still reaching out to folks, helping them know about a risen Christ and someone who doesn't stay separate from us, but lives in us and through us, see? It's a powerful thing. Now, that doesn't mean we go and beat the doors down saying, Hello, hi, I'm a Christian. Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you do, let's bow your head and let's pray. No. Some of you can do that, and I reward you for it, because that's confront- <laughs> That's the way to go. But God gives all of us in the life through this church, through your, through your um, activity in this church and your servanthood in this church, to reach this community. Because He's the God of the city because of who you are. See? There's no one like our God. But it's got to be through our life and how we live. See? We plan our 401Ks. We plan our work environment. We plan all these things. And what happens if we keep Jesus first in all that? He starts to work in all that. You start to see Him working every day. Because you're not doing because you have to for God. You're doing because you are as God has called you to be, see? And you say, God, I'm holding on to you. And I want you to I want to be your future, God. How do you see your future this morning? Great illustration of this, Jesus said this to everybody. It was um, the scripture about salt. And for me, I'm never a big salt person. I never put salt on anything. This scripture, I'd go, yeah, yeah, you know. And then, you know what happened? <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as Keith one time in college preached a sermon on salt at chapel, I was like, that's a pretty good message. I know, they're just getting up to take their places. But I was at Huntington Chapel, and Keith was preaching a message about salt. It was awesome. I thought it was pretty cool. Well, it didn't come true to me until about a month ago when I started on a diet to lose some weight. I started eating salad. And I decided to put some salt on my salad. You want to know what salt does? Salt enhances the flavor like you would not believe. I'm serious. I'm the last one on earth to figure this out. I'm not kidding you. This ain't an illustration that's just there. I'm telling you the truth. Now I don't eat a lettuce leaf without some salt on it because it tastes pretty bland without it. That's exactly, exactly what it does. And God says, you're the salt of the earth. If you lose your saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's not good for anything. Might as well just throw it away if you're not going to be salty. But Jesus said, all you got to do is be salt. Enhance the gospel. And I'm God. I'll take care of the rest and put you in a position to help them know who I am, He says. And if they aren't ready, they're just not ready right now. But ooh, they will be ready. They will be ready. Being salt. Family, faith, forgiveness, and future. Taking it to the next level. To close this this morning, I asked Adam. This was a song that hit me that same day. I just asked him if he would sing this song. And I just invite you to listen to the words as Adam and the band lead us in this song. I was in my early 
that song before can I tell you the honest truth the day Keith asked me to, to, to speak here today was the first time I heard it all the way through I'd heard about the chorus but I'd never heard it all the way through and I thought I heard it the same day I thought man what an Easter song that is because see a lot of people hear that song as we all do and we say man if that happened to me or I know somebody that happened to I'd live I'd, li I'd change the way I'm living see what Jesus does and I appreciate you singing that this morning what Jesus does is he says look 
That's what Easter was all about. I died. Now you go out and live like you live in. See? Let me do the painful stuff so that you can live. Take it to the next level. In your family, in your trust of me, in your forgiveness, the forgiveness quotient, to give it and to receive it, and to know that your future, should you continue to hold on, your future's in God's hands. And He'll carry you through anything. He'll do anything in your life. He'll take you places that, you know, you never thought. I mean, I'm living example. I mean, we're moving next month to Georgia, and, you know, we're in transition, we have a baby. So maybe this comes home to me, too, as it does all of y'all in different ways. But it's just, it's a powerful thing when you think about it. We have an opportunity to take things to the next level, and that's what we want to challenge you to do. Um, because next week when Keith comes back, he's going to be, um, <laughs> he's going to be talking about fish tales, about how we reach out to folks which is a powerful thing for this church in this area of the world, you see. Ties directly to what we're talking about today. So I invite you to bow your heads. Let's pray together. Father, you know all of our hearts. You know our lives, intimate details, more than any of us do. You created us and you're God. If there's anything this morning in the area of family relationships that need healing or need some work with priorities if that's who you are here sitting here this morning I would just ask you silently to yourself to say to God in your heart of hearts God I want to make my relationships number one if you're sitting here this morning and you're not trusting God with something and you really want to and it's just tough and you feel like doubting Thomas. The guy wants to just see God before he actually believes it. I pray that you would say to God right now, I believe, God. Now you help my unbelief. If there's someone you need to forgive, or if there's a situation that you need to ask forgiveness for, I just pray right now you say, God, give me the power to do what needs to be done there or put me in the position to do what I need to do there if you're scared about the future I pray that you would just ask God now silently God I don't know about the future there's some things happening but I know you are my future and I be my future with you every day and I will be my future with you every day and we give you these things Father thank you for being with us this morning Thank you that in Christ, we take our living to the next level. For we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Let me encourage you. If there's some serious things going on with you, or if there's some things that you want to talk with somebody about, as this, ser as this service closes out, there'll be someone over here at the table where the, where the cross is over here. And all they'll do is talk with you about it, pray with you about it. If there's anything you need in the living room here this morning, that would be where you want to go, okay? So let me encourage you to do that.